was there much of a like sorting out of of his Nazi past? My father was pretty plain about it and said he uh, was a soldier in Second World War and he wasn't allowed to be a teacher because he was a Nazi. So if you're up for it, should we discuss your your reformed uh I don't know if I, I how would you frame it? Like you're reformed, you're like you would belong to the reformed tradition, right? I would say so, yes. Mainly because I was I was born into it. Now you said your family on your father's side goes back, you know, centuries as Lutherans. Yes. So how did you how did that change to reformed? That's the that's the the, the fugitive thing. My uh, grandfather, uh, my uh, grandparents, and uh, my father came to uh, the Rhineland uh, in uh, 1951, and they fled the uh, newly formed German Democratic Republic, or East Germany, as people here know it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, so. <laughs> When they came to Western Germany and uh, the Rhineland, they came into a region which was um, mainly reformed. I didn't realize that, to back up quickly, I didn't realize that your family, the Poikats, they actually left because they didn't like what was going on in East Germany. Yeah, they did. because Or mainly my grandfather was the guy who had the problems because he was also a Nazi. <laughs> oh, <laughs> plainly said. And um, so he had to, um, he, he wasn't allowed to work uh, in uh, Eastern Germany as a teacher. And so. Um, so he had to relocate. Relocate. Yes, absolutely. He was a, a baker and he, he, he was uh, allowed to work as a baker, but he, he also. Um, had studied and uh, was a teacher. And so he wanted to be a teacher. And Eastern Germany was pretty uh, hard on those old Nazis uh, and didn't allow even those guys uh, to work as teachers, which is a, a quite influential uh, job. Yeah, they didn't want them like infecting the minds of the yeah, and, workers. And educate uh, those uh, young people. Interesting. So he didn't leave due to some disagreement with communism or some sort of oppression, or even sometimes I think it had to do with wealth, maybe, you know, that, that one worried about securing yeah. one's wealth, but it was actually just the, what he liked to do and teach that he wasn't, he wasn't, yeah, he wasn't, to do that. he wasn't able a lot to do it. And also there was, there was the um, communist thing, of course, because uh, he was, quite a nazi okay <laughs> I, yeah no it's, it's not bad to own up to that yeah. but so he wasn't like uh forced into it one he was he was a believer kind of a he was a believer yeah he joins the party in uh, 1933 so uh okay yeah as a quite a young guy and he didn't have to but he wanted to and there was a party uh, document he took with him from uh, Eastern Germany, one of those, the, the little things uh, they took apart from the children and uh, clothing, he took oh, his wow. uh, his uh, identity card. As a party member? As a party member. Uh, oh, Jesus. Wow. 
which we found uh, after he died and we uh, cleared his house. Wow. Okay. So that's a, that's an interesting background. And did you, if you don't mind getting into it as a yeah. kid and with your parents, was there much of a, like, um, like a, a sorting out of, of his Nazi past? Did you, when you were growing up, did you, were you even aware of it? How did that kind of play out in your family? As a child, I wasn't uh, aware of it. He was my grandfather, period. But when I grew up, maybe uh, when I was 13, 14, something like that, there were some comments of my grandfather I couldn't... Uh, stomach? Stomach, yeah. That's it. And so um, I uh, asked my parents... And my father was pretty plain about it and said, yeah, he uh, was a soldier in uh, the um, Second World War. And he wasn't allowed to be a teacher because he was a Nazi. And that, that's because that's why we uh, fled Eastern Germany. Okay, so he just shot you straight. Yeah, pretty much, yes. And how did you receive that? knowledge was it a surprise or what did you think about that it was not a surprise i, I wouldn't say it was a surprise it added up i, I would say it, it came together everything he was a, a good grandfather definitely as long as you didn't have to get into political discussions with him but he never voted for any extremist party in his life as a teacher in uh, Western Germany. I know that for sure he always voted for the CDU, which is a mainline conservative uh, party. So do you think he kind of kept his head down? He didn't necessarily want people knowing. I mean, they might have assumed he was affiliated or had yeah. some sort of membership, but that he didn't really want to play the, to, to flaunt his, his Nazi past in Western Germany. Absolutely. And one thing is he had a good life. He could work as a, as a teacher and he, won, he wanted to um, just have a good life. And what did he teach? He did teach uh, chemistry and oh, I think mathematics. Okay. So then, so they relocate due to him being able to teach and then they moved to the reformed area and did they just start going to a reformed church or was there much Lutheranism as part of the family or, or how did that look when you were growing up? Uh, he is a, they just uh, integrated into the uh, church, which, which was present, which was a reformed church. And uh, they, they didn't, do much about it. Uh, they they uh, didn't care much about the, the differences uh, of the churches. And unless you're really deep into the theology, for most people, if it's a Protestant church, Reformed or Lutheran, it's not going to mean so much to yeah. you. As long as Evangelical is uh, standing uh, as the first letters, it, it is uh, quite okay. It, it didn't matter for them. And so, but you now being a Reformed pastor, obviously it sunk deeper into you as part of your own theology. Yeah, but uh, a family has always two parts. So um, 
that's a part of my uh, the family of my mother and they were we call it pietistic oh pietistic pietistic uh, guys always on they um, were my uh, great grandfather was part of so called bekende kirche which was uh, the opposition of the uh, nazi churches some people might know famously dietrich bonhoeffer bonhoeffer yes was uh, part of the confessing church which is what we yes. call it here i think yeah they they broke away from the main church they broke away from the main church yes and they had they had um house circles in which uh, they um the teachings of the Bible were uh, given, and okay, so your your mother's side was highly religious. Then they they were highly religious, yeah. And and Pietists tend to be much more. It's much more personal, much more even emotional. I would say yes. The 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 the, the praying uh, was uh, quite present uh, always. Uh, they prayed for every. Uh, meal and they prayed uh, did they uh even personally read the bible often and and such thing? yeah they did yeah. yes yeah and always we, we call it uh, the so-called losungen uh, from the moravian brothers oh yeah the moravian um moravian from the like czech uh saxony region yeah from yeah from yeah. uh which i was in that area Hanhut, the, yes yeah like zinzendorf and those guys yeah, they 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 read those uh, daily. With there was always a small calendar with. Uh, oh, I think we might call those like a like a daily devotions kind of. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And it'd be like scriptures with a little reading or teaching. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you had kind of the just a more of a standard, what would you say, nominalistic Lutheran, and then kind of a very Pietistic Reformed combination in your family. Absolutely. Would you say your own reformed, like your life as, as a reformed Christian, it, do you sense some of that pietistic leaning in yourself that was in your family side? Or, or or do you kind of bridge a little bit of those two sides of the family? I think I bridge a, bit, a little bit of uh, both uh, sides. I um, decided to become um, a reformed pastor. My uh, time at the university, I would say. Oh, so you grew up reformed just because that was where your parents went to church and you were baptized. Yeah. But it wasn't until you were studying theology that you decided to be a reformed pastor. Yes. Oh, that's interesting. Could you walk me through that kind of process? How you made that decision? Uh, yeah, I can. I didn't really know that I was reformed. That's uh, that's the um, Rhenish thing. The Rhenish Church is um, the Unified Church, which has Reform and Lutheran compromises that kind of formed its own. Yes, but yeah, I can tell. When I uh, went to uh, Bonn, I uh, for the first time I saw that the Evangelical Church can have quite a different kinds of um, services, and so. Um, I was quite quite astonished about uh, how uh, Lutherans work and how um, Reformed work. I didn't uh, didn't know that there was a difference. Definitely. So um, for me, it was just plain evangelical. 
Okay, so you didn't even realize so much that the church liturgy and manifestations could be so different. Yeah. Also, I was in my youth, I, I was a, a, a Catholic scout, boy scout. And that, that was one thing which made me curious. Why do the Catholics do things differently? So, so differently. That was one of the um, topics I wanted to study about. Okay. Do you think that even drew you to theology a little bit, that curiosity? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It does. Yeah, it did. And then I saw that there was a part of the evangelical church which holds their services not so differently than the, uh, the Catholics. Catholics. Yes. Yeah, so the. Um, oh, so you were you you were surprised that the Lutheran Church can, in many times, have a very high liturgy, which means very yeah, um, all the bells and the whistles. No, not not so much the bells. The bells. Yeah. Uh, but they. A very formal and a very yes, yeah, very formal, and I would say much more uh, aesthetically focused, maybe when it comes to the yeah, maybe area, you know, where you have a lot more for sometimes formality, but uh, as well as artwork and other things that aren't as yeah. present in the reformed, um, just the the room itself. Oh, so that's fascinating that you. When you were growing up in a reformed area, it was Catholic and reform, and you thought that that was the two opposing factors. And yes. then you came to find that there were even large differences in the in the in the Protestant Church, the Evangelical Church. And I take it you weren't a huge fan of the Lutheran liturgy. Yeah, it, it was uh, too much uh, Catholic for me. In certain ways, of course. How uh, they um, dress sometimes in in the white uh, the robes the robes yeah the white robes and uh, have the, the stola around them and something like that uh, it's uh, quite uh, they it, it uh, seems like to be uh, pretty near to the Catholic uh, church so. So would you say it was more of a almost aesthetic reason or were there theological foundations that you learned about that also kind of secured your you know, commitment to the reform tradition? After I've studied a bit, it was definitely the, the theological part in many ways. First of all, of course, the understanding of uh, the communion. For me, it is uh, mostly uh, a symbolic communion with Christ, with Christ through the Holy Ghost, and of course, then uh, constitutional. Which means, can you? The, what's the constitutional constitutional element? The um, Presbyterian uh, kind. Oh yes, the that it's run the, on a, the, the church structure kind of. There's a church structure kind, yes. And you just favored the, the reform structure? I favored the reform structure, yes. Which is uh, pretty much present in every uh, parish in uh, the uh, Rhineish church. Also, there are uh, Lutheran uh, parishes. They have the, the uh, structure of um, elders or govern the, the, the parish and send people to the synod 
can you break it down for me briefly, the differences between the Lutheran and the Reformed church structures in just a real kind of general sense? Like the Lutheran structure, what's the difference between having elders that send people to, I sense, at least what I know from Presbyterianism, that you usually yeah. have the elders of the local elders, and then from that you send someone to kind of like a higher element so that the church is kind of structured from the bottom up. Yes. Kind of like a pyramid. Like each of the churches send some people, and then there are a couple of levels that make higher level decisions. Yeah, for we, them. we have two levels. Um so-called district synods and then um, the so-called land synod or, or country synod or state synod, we would say. And what would the Lutherans have in Germany? The Lutherans uh, did have a consistorial... Um, so the Lutherans have a consistory church structure. What does that look like, though? I'm actually not so familiar with that. Luther uh, did uh, constitute uh, the... Head of state, the head of the church, a bit like uh, the uh, Anglican Church, where the queen is uh, the head of church. It was also um, by uh, uh, most of the um, Landeskirchen, the head of state was the head of church. Okay, so they had more of a top-down structure. They, but... had, a, they had a top-down structure, and the the consistorium, uh, the consistory was the ruling ministry. There was a minister or a secretary of cultural affairs who had then um, ruling power over uh, the uh, pastors. And then there was a, a head pastor named, sometimes named Bishop as well. And that Bishop then would control even placing pastors in yes. local congregations and even deciding maybe certain theological or confessional elements? Absolutely. Okay, yeah, that's actually quite quite different. It's, it's completely different. There are some churches uh, which uh, work like that partially. For example, the, the Church of Württemberg, they have the, the, the elders, but they are not always allowed to elect their pastor. First, they have to... Uh, they they uh, get to choose from the pastors which were sent by them from the uh, bishop. Yeah, and I know this a little bit from the church in Saxony, but that sometimes there are even limitations on how long a pastor can serve in a certain congregation because they, yes. every five to seven years, I think seven if there's an extension, might be wrong, but something like that, where you are then limited and you have to move to another parish Regardless, the congregation yeah. can't have a say. Now, they might have a say if there's really a lot of disagreement. They might, the bishop or the leaders might place the pastor in some somewhere else, but the church can't necessarily do that on their own. No, they can't. That's a, that's a completely different thing. Uh, in, in the Rhineland, the uh, parish, the elders of the parish have the ultimate saying in uh who becomes pastor, who doesn't. Now, could you see if there weren't any opportunities as a Reformed person, could you be a Lutheran pastor, do you think? Or do you think your theology, ecclesiology is, is too f far from that? If you had to. If I had to. 
it's a pretty hard question. I've I've thought about it. Um, I haven't come to a conclusion yet. There are certain ways uh, which make it uh, possible for me. Uh, and I I have learned in a Lutheran uh, parish. My I did uh, take my uh, learning years after my my studies uh, in a Lutheran um, parish. So. And I and I had to do uh, the uh, communion stuff and so on uh, in the Lutheran way. I can come around, but there's not no. I don't think my heart is in it. So when you were doing the communion, technically you're doing it under the auspices of the Lutheran Church, but yes. technically your own thought is more reformed. Even yes, if the absolutely. People, yeah, even though the people are partaking are thinking in a Lutheran way, you're thinking still in the Reformed way. It is so, yes. And would you say that that's the biggest hang-up for you, the differences of understanding communion? Are there other elements? Or would you say, yeah, what are maybe a couple of the big factors that would be challenging to be part of a, a Lutheran church? What I do like is the uh, singing part of the uh, liturgy. Mm-hmm. Those, those come in favor of the... Uh, Lutheran uh, Church, yeah, but uh, I dare say uh, communion thing is the deciding factor, definitely. So we're back to a Zwingli Luther kind of yeah. disagreement. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's uh, and it is a big and critical element to the liturgy. Yeah, to disagree on. Absolutely. And then I have, yeah, one question I, I wanted to ask you, and maybe I don't even know if you have an opinion on it, regarding some so-called, for instance, Reformed Baptists, or there are even non-denominational churches, one that I grew up in high school that would hold to a pretty Calvinistic Reformed view of salvation, mm -hmm. predestination uh, playing a large yeah. role, and um, but yet everything else is essentially baptistic. You know, there's believers' baptism. They don't do um, uh, children's, children's uh, baptism. Also, uh, the structure of the liturgy, even the idea of communion. Although the Reformed are closer to that, they still would just see it as a purely traditional, symbolic thing that has real no, doesn't bestow grace. It, it doesn't really have anything to do with things other than just a mere kind of and I know people would put it in a nicer way than I am now, but just kind of uh, uh, going through the motions of, of remembering Christ's death, but it's it's only symbolic. Mm -hmm. You don't even really have that Holy Spirit element of, of being there. I mean, essentially, yeah. the Holy Spirit's in every act and, and things, but um, it really is just a, a thing that you do. So anyway, all that to yeah. say is I don't know if you have, as a Reformed person, how maybe even pastorally it doesn't play that large of a role, but how you would even kind of, yeah, if you have an opinion on those kind of churches or if you can even understand that. Well, <laughs> we have driven those guys uh, from Germany <laughs> to, to the United States. Huh? Maybe not for no reason. <laughs> <I> just... <laughs> um, they, they came, uh, they are definitely Mennonites or uh, Amish uh, people. Who directly come from Germany uh, to the states because they, they weren't allowed to uh, 
or practice their religion in uh, in Germany or in the Netherlands, for example. So for you, it doesn't really make sense to kind of have a hodgepodge of, well, we're going to take this tradition here and then we're going to grab no, a couple theological elements of reform theology without, yeah, yeah, I didn't think yeah. it would. I think we, we need, we need um, a threat of um, culture or um, tradition which uh, holds us to the um, to the, commun the, the communion of all Christians. For me, it is part, uh, there's a part of um, the baptism, definitely. Uh, we, uh, in Germany, uh, our all uh, Landeskirchen and uh, the Catholic Church and the uh, Church of the, uh, the Orthodox Churches all hold um, the baptism uh, to one standard. Which is in infant baptism. In infant baptism and... Uh, also, um, once you convert, is that correct? Once, if you're, let's say you grow up atheist and you convert when you're 40, you can also, you also receive baptism. Yes, of course. You can, or you can receive a baptism, but you can re receive it only once. Yes. And it's not submersed, right? You're not dunked in the, the pool. Most of the time, not. Yeah. The, um, Orthodox people do it a, a bit uh, differently. They uh, dump their the children completely under, and uh, oh, I didn't I've know that. I've never seen that. I've seen I've seen it once in uh, Thessaloniki, uh, in okay. uh, Greece, and it was uh, quite uh, a funny thing because uh, the child, um, when it was, was dumped three times, uh, <laughs> like in the name uh, of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the first time in the name of the father, the, the ch child didn't know what, what to do. It was totally uh, perplexed. Uh, mm -hmm. Perplexed, yeah, just... Uh, uh, and and uh, then after the, uh, the son came, uh, it just started to cry. Uh, and yeah. then by the Holy Ghost, it thought it was by being waterboarded. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it, it cried uh, even louder but uh oh wow yeah so in yeah. some ways that that's i almost understand the baptist way of doing it of waiting till you're old enough yeah to confess because uh then at least you can hold your breath and you're prepared yeah maybe yeah but uh <laughs> infants uh, are able to uh swim or, or dive it's at least a bit yeah so yeah, uh, and I think that this standard of uh, recognize uh, the baptism of all the churches is something you can't throw away so easily. Yeah, that's um, and that's something that a lot of those churches can agree upon. Where like, yes, communion wouldn't be one. Maybe maybe element. it's yeah, maybe it's the, the only thing they can agree upon. Even uh, the the Orthodox churches uh, don't allow uh, women uh, to be pastors and uh, stuff. There's one standard, and that is uh, the uh, baptism of infants. And is there? Uh, I don't think so much. But for you as Reformed, there's no. You don't feel the need to tell the Catholics or the Lutherans about Jesus in the sense of trying to make them Reformed. 
is there any when it comes to salvation mm-hmm. there's you there's no kind of impetus obviously you want people to join the church and you believe in the doctrine of the reformed mm-hmm. tradition but there's no discussion within the reformed church necessarily about like trying to make turn the catholics into reformed people or lutherans into reformed no there's uh, nothing like that i had to um for example i had to um have the funeral uh, from a lutheran guy last week just because he's a lutheran uh, pastor uh, couldn't do it because he, he he wasn't free at the time and uh, so um i did it and it's totally okay for me because if there there are people in need you help them yeah period and maybe a larger overarching belief and and faith yeah. that transcends the 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 I would say the doctrinal differences of some of those traditions. Yeah, um, yeah, that's, that's that that may be the thing. Uh, also, um, the heaven is uh, a thing uh, which we can't decide who gets in or who who doesn't. Well, thanks for talking to me. It's it's quite interesting. Any final thoughts on? being a reformed lutheran pastor you want to pass on uh, no not uh, especially no okay no special blessing for the podcast listeners anymore. no sounds good